The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. We need a new approach for a new era focused on growth. Our aim over the medium term is to reach a trend rate of growth of 2.5%. And our plan, Mr. Speaker. Certainly, there is a strong signal here from the markets that they do not like uh, the budget that we had from the uh, the UK government on, on Friday. And certainly- that was UK Finance Minister Kwasi Kwarteng unveiling his budget package for the UK economy last Friday. It included tax cuts for corporations and the highest earners, as well as a mammoth energy support package. And that was followed by a foreign exchange trader discussing the dire market reaction. The crisis in the UK economy is our sole focus of this week's episode. Welcome back to The Views Room, the podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donnellan, coming to you from London. The fallout from the UK government's new spending plans has dominated headlines around the world this week. Sterling hit a record low and the cost of UK borrowing soared as investors fretted about how the government would tackle its mounting debt pile and balance its books. But what does this currency and debt debacle mean for interest rates? And what options does Quartin have to reassure markets? Stay tuned as I speak to Peter Tal Larson, global editor of Breaking Views, and Pierre Briançon, our economics guru. Well, it has been an eventful few days for the UK economy. Sterling is plumbing new lows against the dollar, and the yield on government debt is soaring. Here to talk to me about it is Peter Tal Larson, the global editor of Breaking Views, and Pierre Briançon, who is our economics expert. Very nice to speak to you, Peter, and very nice to speak to you, Pierre. Good to see you, Amy. Yes. So I was looking at the story on Friday. I was covering quasi Times, the UK finance minister's mini-budget. So this is where he laid out what he was going to do with the UK economy. The focus is on growth, cutting taxes. He cut the very top end of the tax rate. And Peter, what happened then after that? (laughs) Well, all I think it can be scientifically described as a free fall in financial markets, particularly in the value of the pound against the dollar and other currencies, and also the value of UK government bonds. So the yields on UK government bonds went through the roof. And, I mean, there's a couple of things going on. I mean, I mean, Liz Truss, the new prime minister, was very clear all along when she was campaigning for the job that she wanted to cut taxes and, and Kwasi Kwarteng was sort of her close associate and, and it was clear he was going to be the finance minister and he also was making this case. So quite a lot of what they announced on last Friday was already known, was, was expected. But... It's sort of a bit. A couple of other things happened. One is that they went further on the tax cuts than people had expected them to, uh, getting rid of things like, for example, the higher rate of income tax that only people in the UK earning more than one hundred and fifty thousand pounds pay. But the other thing was that they didn't offer any kind of medium-term framework for getting the the government finances back in order. So what you have on the one hand is you have a very big handout. It's worth probably £45 billion a year uh, by 2026-27. And at the same time, you have a sense of that the UK government finances 
being sort of unsustainable for a while, or at least or the debt going up. And at the same time, then you have a question of, well, how are you going to fund this? And this is happening in the context of higher interest rates globally. And the Bank of England is trying to raise rates, also talking about selling its portfolio of government bonds at the same time. And so basically, foreign investors, international investors took fright. And when they took fright, they sold the pound and they sold government bonds. Okay. So yes, a dramatic week. And potentially investors saying they may not believe the growth story. So Pierre, what do you think, what do you think is the big fear of investors at the moment for the UK economy? Well, there's no doubt that if, say, by some form of political miracle, all of a sudden and overnight, the UK were embarking on a sensible economic policy, we would forget about the last three days. Uh, there is one structural weight on the pound, which is the current account deficit, but it has been going on for years, for actually almost more than 20 years, uh, but it was always financed by foreigners willing to send a capital, what Mark Carney called five years ago the kindness of strangers. If inve- foreign investors start losing faith in the government, not only on the technical specificity of the policy, absurd tax cuts, in a moment where you have to, if anything, probably raise the government's weight on the economy, increase the government's weight on the economy, if in foreign investors start losing faith in the rationality of the government, then the pound is bound to go in free fall. It can reverse again very quickly if, say, a, a new government takes over and, and defends more uh, rational economic policy, or if this one decides to, in two months' time to uh, amend or water down. I don't know if it's politically conceivable or, or feasible, but that's not the question. Then, then things will, will come back to where they used to be. That said, you still have that current account deficit, which is increased by the bad relationship with the EU, or the UK's main trading partner. And so it's not in the process of being overcome anytime soon. That said, it doesn't have to turn into a catastrophe. Those are, the, economy, the UK economy's problems are problems that can be addressed that are identified, but again, providing the diagnosis is, is, is shared. There is another factor here, though, which I think is, does, does add to all of this, which is the energy crisis. You know, and what the UK government has done is basically say they're going to cap the cost of gas and electricity for households for two years, at sort of at current levels, or at sort of pre-current levels, and also do the same for businesses. And, and so what that creates is essentially an obligation on the government to fund the difference between the price cap and whatever the wholesale price of energy is going to be. And, you know, the government, Kwarteng on Friday said he thought this would be £60 billion for six months. But he doesn't know because he doesn't know what the wholesale price of energy is going to be. And so the UK has kind of hitched its fiscal policy to something it doesn't control, which is the price of gas in Europe. And then if you add on top of that what's happening with the exchange rate, the UK government, the UK taxpayer is also taking the exchange rate risk of importing gas from Norway or wherever, which is not priced in sterling, you know, at higher prices potentially if the currency falls. So these two things create a, another big sort of drag on the UK public finances and on the currency. To give an idea of the dimension of the problem, the, the, the current account deficit I was talking about, which of course has exploded because of the energy bill, if you want, 
will be at around 8% of GDP, which is a lot this year and next, according to the forecast. It used to be around 2 to 3, all, all those throughout those 15 or 20, past 20 years. So you're talking a massive amount that has to be financed by reverse capital, yeah. okay? Because the UK consumes and more than it actually produces, and more than it actually says. So in this moment, to have a policy that we know will increase, if anything, the problem, is a bit yeah, uh, senseless. Absolutely. So if you're an investor, Peter, what do you think you're focusing more on? What's making you more jittery? Is it the fact that you have this energy policy that's going to support, I suppose, people in paying their bills, but could be very costly, and you don't know how costly it's going to be? Is it the fact that you have a growth policy that is surrounded in debt, and you don't know how you're going to pay that debt? Or is it the current count deficit, or is it all together? Is there something that maybe they're putting more weight on? Is it like a sort of incompetence in the the government that is sort of the the main concern? I mean, I think one economist described this on Twitter as this is the moron premium in financial markets. (laughs) (laughs) And I I mean, I think, you know, this is part of it. I think think you can have a debate about the energy cap and whether it's the right way to do it, about whether they should be cutting taxes and the way they're cutting taxes about whether or not you, you should be taking the view that at this moment maybe you should be running a, fisc- a stimulative fiscal policy and that you know you can, you can make that up at some point in the future. But what I think has freaked people out is the sense that, is that sort of the guardrails are off and that the, the political imperative for this government, which is billing itself as a new government even though it's the same as the, I mean, the people, it's, the people are in different positions but they're all in the old government, and they've sort of launched themselves on this kind of like neo-Thatcherite tax-cutting kind of you know agenda without any real, really credible framework of how this might work in terms of the economy. You wrote about this last week, this idea which is sort of plucked out of the air that, that they're going to return growth to 2.5% a year, which the UK hasn't been at for years. I think that scares people. And, you know, and at the same time, they talked on the campaign trail. They're now trying to walk this back, but they talked on the campaign trail. Uh, there were some attacks on the Bank of England, questions about reviewing the Bank of England's mandate. Quasi Kwarteng, the finance minister, on the night that he announced this massive energy intervention a couple of weeks ago, then fired the most senior civil servant at the Treasury Department, a, a veteran of several crises, Tom Scholar. So I think there is part of this, which is that investors are looking at this and saying, we're not really sure what these people are capable of or whether there's a credible institutional framework around this any longer. And that is something that the UK has been able to take for granted for a long time through various crises, currency crises, financial crisis and so forth. And if that credibility is being lost, then it's very hard to win it back. And I mean, this, there is a concern, obviously, as well, Pierre, that this is inflationary, that there could be an inflationary element to this. And I think people were looking at what the Bank of England was going to do then. And we obviously had a statement then from Andrew Bailey, governor of the Bank of England, yesterday. So what is their position? Well, the Bank of England had a very carefully and prudent plan to raise rates cautiously last week, as opposed to a radical rise. Wait for the government to announce their plan and then decide on... The inflation should come down by about four percentage points because of the energy gap that for around 14% estimated to around 10%. Uh, and it will. Those. But over the longer term, the fiscal dimension of the, of the, the policy without growth will increase you know, 
both inflation and the deficit, because that's what the fiscal deficit, uh, the fiscal deficit effect is. So you're in a position where the governance policy will increase the deficit. The fall of the pound raises the price of imported goods. And you can see that I mean, the price of a barrel of oil, for example, has raised considerably for the UK compared to other uh, the euro or euro countries or other developed countries, of course, in the last six months because of weakness of, of the currency. So you have the effect immediately here. So you, you have this double, so to speak, effect on inflation, which the Bank of England now has to compensate for by higher rates, uh, rate hikes than they had planned. Some in the market already talking about a hundred percent, hundred sorry, basis point rate at the next meeting in November. At least it seems that they won't raise interest rates before their scheduled meeting, which is one thing. Otherwise, it would have given the, the impression of panic or whatever. As would any change in the in the Bank of England's uh, governance. Or, and so, uh, no, I mean, it's a, it's a really lose lose situation, both in terms of inflation, in terms of how you finance uh, the deficit, the fiscal deficit. I mean, the, the UK is now in, the, in a major twin deficit situation, which is a bad spot to come out of. And Peter, if you were quasi quartine, this was certainly not the outcome I think you would be hoping for on Friday. So what are his options here? What can he do to sort of stop the, I suppose, protect the currency, to encourage investors that the UK is sound, that um, it's able to manage its debt, and that growth is coming down the line? Well, I think that ship is set. I mean, I think, I think that sort of like that gamble, which there's no other word for it, that gamble they took on Friday to say, well, we're going to sort of go for growth and kind of roll the dice and hope for the best. I mean, I think the market reaction has put paid to that. I mean, as Pierre mentioned, I mean, the Bank of England was already going to raise rates. It will now presumably have to raise rates by more because just to offset the inflationary impact of the of the package, probably have to raise rates by even more than that to reestablish some sort of credibility in terms of monetary policy. And that will have an effect on... UK housing market through mortgages, you know, consumption, investment, all those kind of things, business confidence. So the economic, the idea that this was ever going to lead to 2.5% growth was fanciful. It's even more fanciful now. So, and, and you know, but I think you'll see the scale of the moves here are really quite extraordinary. I mean, even we've seen very violent moves in the last couple of days, but even if you just look back, when Liz Truss was confirmed as the new prime minister at the beginning of September, 10-year UK government bond yields were below 3%. As of now, on Tuesday afternoon, they're at 4.3%. I mean, that is extraordinary. Nearly the yields on Italian 5-year or 10-year bond. But in in the space of three weeks, I mean, that's amazing. Sterling has fallen, since Liz Truss was confirmed as Prime Minister, Sterling has fallen by more than 10% against the US dollar. I mean, these are are extraordinary moves. And I I personally think the idea that they can sit on their hands and wait until November, when the Bank of England will have its meeting at the beginning of November, and then at the end of November, the government will come out and talk about their fiscal framework. I don't think that's really feasible. So I think Quartin will probably have to change tack on something. And the question, the question then is, how does he change tack? And none of the options are good, right? I mean, either he reverses some of the things he announced last Friday, which... Uh, would be catastrophic from a political credibility point of view, or he does what they have said they're not going to do and introduces new taxes, a windfall tax on the utilities, for example, or something. But that would be also a, a breaking of the promise. Or they do what 
conservative governments normally do and say we're going to cut spending. But the scale of spending that they would have to cut at this point to offset the damage to the finances they've done with the tax cuts would be enormous and would be politically, I think, verging on the suicidal because because if you if you have a it's one thing to have a budget where you, you cut taxes effectively for companies and for, for people who are earning a lot of money, to then turn around and say we're gonna pay for that by cutting schools and, and, and you know the health service and things like that, I think would be would be unconscionable. So he has no good he has no good he has no good options. But I think I don't think this package as it current as it's currently configured can stick until November. And remember then that, that when foreign investors refuse to finance your current account deficit, it's called a balance of payment crisis. I mean, it, it couldn't happen in the UK conceivably because of UK institution, rule of law, business friendly, regulation, financial center of the world. It couldn't happen. If foreigners refuse to finance the UK's current account deficit, it's a balance of payment crisis and the IMF is not very, very far. So that is the that is the outcome if he does nothing, is what you're talking about. Which is that is that what we're thinking? Is that investors? It's unlikely to happen, but it's one of the extreme possibilities as uh, forecast now. Yeah. And if they, I mean, you know, I, I think if, if this kind of gathers pace and people, you know, vote with their feet, and there's a sense that nothing's going to happen until November, it could get really ugly, and particularly depending on. Who knows what else happens with Russia? Who knows what happens with the Fed and China and markets and stuff? You know, the UK is sort of is already vulnerable to these storms, and you know, is now more vulnerable. And I don't know. It's um, I think it's very hard to imagine that they will stick with the current course. Well, very interesting. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Pierre. We'll be following this probably weekly, I would imagine, until uh, we get a bit more detail. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich and Streisand Neto in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Acast, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. Check out our latest views on these stories and many others at breakingviews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at breakingviews.